Good morning. Welcome to a special edition of Cybersecurity Amplified and Intensified. And if you guys like this and you let us know, maybe we'll do it every single Friday for you. Rapid fire? Who knows? Going on, Eric? Dude, I don't know sure if I'm going to even sleep in anytime soon. I tell you what, it's been it's been a busy, busy, busy 24 hours. Are you talking about Conti or are you talking about Lockbit putting the word out that they're looking for insider threats? Both, actually. So let's dive into the whole Lockbit because this is definitely interesting. And then we'll dive into the whole Conti mess, right? So um, Lockbit, for those who have not been, had a chance to read up on this thing, they're, you know, Lockbit is a ransomware group that is a RAS, which is a ransomware as a service. Um, and they're, they always have a, a headquarters, if you will, and they hire a whole bunch of minions that go out there and infect people's networks. Well, maybe things are just not going fast enough for them because now they want folks to actually be an inside threat in your network to ransom your network or your employer's network, and then they will supposedly give you up to a million dollars. So I did some reading on this article, and what it looks like they're trying to do is cut out the middleman. Usually someone buys access to a network as an affiliate of a lockbit would go sell it to them, and they get the 70 or 80%. However, mm-hmm. it looks like lockbit wants to go directly to whoever has initial access and give them the 70 to 80%, effectively cutting out the middleman. So is this what you would call a direct-to-consumer model, direct-to-pentester so, model? And by the way, they're looking for pen testers mm-hmm. to flip. They are looking for pen testers. They're, they're looking for, quote-unquote, seasoned penetration testers. Um, or anyone with access to a system they would have interest in, I would think. Yeah, so I don't know. The the more and more I read about this, the whole affiliate model was, you know, if you know a little bit about pen testing, you know a little bit how to break into a system, you could be an affiliate. You know, much like an MSP would resell a carrier, uh, a Comcast Spectrum or whatever through a master agent, that type of thing. So or a franchise model, if you will, it's kind of real far stretch for that comparison, but trying to compare apples a little bit. Um, I don't think that's a far stretch because ransomware as a service has really evolved into a better built business than some IT providers. This is true. So if you had a little bit of skills and you actually contact them on the text chat or tox uh, chat, they you could be an affiliate. So like if I was a bad guy and I went after your network, I would compromise it, get persistence, use CrowdStrike um, to actually get phone back home to your their command and control service and start data exfiltration. When I'm doing that, I get a product key like you would for Microsoft Office or your Windows operating system, whatever software package that you have. And that would be your keys to the token. So that's how they were working it. What I'm thinking 
when I'm starting to look at massive RSS feeds, while Lockbit is definitely a smaller uh, ransomware group, I guess you would say. I, I don't know. Not, maybe not smaller, but they're not publicizing so, so much. So one Well, of they're not things, a Revil, right? They're not a dark side yet. Yeah. So I don't know if this means that they are either getting a ton of people paying ransomware, so that's why they're not doing as much on their name and shame site, or if things are just really slow and they're trying to increase revenue. Or are they? Or maybe are they? Maybe they're pivoting to a extortion, well, double extortion. Could One be. of the well, three of the main vectors that they're advertising for in that post is RDP access, VPN access, or email. And they seem to believe once they get a hook into any one of those three, they can escalate or have do privilege escalation and move on through. Yep. So it's real, really, really interesting times. You know, this drops today. Well, now, by the time you got folks are hearing or listening to this, it have been yesterday. But this gets dropped, and now the whole information about Conti is dropped. It really puts an onus both for either whether you're internal or external support, cybersecurity, whatever your role is, you really, really need to start thinking about insider threats. Well, let, let's dig into that a little bit because I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I made some oh, I'm all doom and gloom right now. <laughs> Well, this is your wheelhouse, right? They're going after your peers to flip them. However, I think this is a really good time for companies to evaluate what type of uh, privilege management they're doing on their systems, what type of auditing is turned on, and are they actually doing anything as opposed to just collecting logs, right? As our frequent guest Brian would say, do they have an actionable sock? Mm. And... What are they doing for asset management? Because if you don't know you have a device, you can't protect it. And everything that I've seen from what these, what Lockbit has advertised is they are just looking for access to a network. And it would seem with all the print nightmares, the serious SAM and all these other vulnerabilities, zero logon, which haven't been patched by IT practitioners. These guys are just going to live off the land, so to speak, escalate, exfiltrate, encrypt. And you and I both know NTLM is one of the easiest ways to do all of that. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? Now, do people, clients, um, anyone, do they adopt a zero trust methodology? Do they adopt zero knowledge? Do they go right now and review every permission for everything? What's the move? Based off of what we're seeing from Conti, and I've downloaded their entire playbook and all their files and all that because I wanted to get it before it got taken off, you know. Um, but I'll go ahead and share this for those who are actually watching the live stream. And um, whoever's listening, if you're going to open any of these files, 
do it on a system that doesn't have access to anything good. Make sure you have macros turned off because some of these are Word documents. Don't be that person thinking your security is so top-notch. This is not a red herring. Exactly. Very well stated. This is definitely not something that you want to run in a unsandboxed, unVM'd, you know, air-gapped scenario. You know, the if you get a hold of this, most of the time it is a password protected zip file. Make sure you get the proper password. Just transfer that zip over to your VM and then air gap the hell out of it. Then, you know, open it up and do what you got to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're talking about configuring any desk here. And I think I actually, I probably misspoke when I said CrowdStrike. I meant to say Cobalt Strike. A lot of times I get that mixed up. So if I did say CrowdStrike, I didn't mean to. One's the good guy. The other one's a pen tester's tool. Yeah, exactly. Slash um, bad guy's tool. This is true. There's, it didn't say it in here, but there is a package or a software that's part of the downloads. And I'm not going to show that on here. Just I don't want to accidentally leak any sensitive information or whatever but uh the there is a tool for splash dot for rmm that's in there there's several 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 tools in there maybe i need to one can day we, next week. can what? we talk about this splash top tool before there's mass panic let people know it's an incredibly old version that is likely been compromised many ways and since been updated many many times over it's a version one and i believe current version some version three yeah so the one that's in the package it is version 1.0.2 dot something and i spun it up in a vm ran it through its updates and it completely updated the 3.6 whatever i don't remember the exact version numbers but it works I don't know if this is because there is some mentions of Altera in the documentation. So I'm not sure if Altera uses Splashtop for RMM as part of their agent deployment. Again, there's some speculation here. I not I don't want to say I'm throwing Altera under the bus. Just saying early signs is to make sure if you're not using Altera, make sure Altera is not on there. If you're not using any version of Splashtop, Get Splash Hop off your network, any desk off your network. Uh, if you're running Splash Hop, make sure the quote unquote Splash Hop for RMM is nowhere on your network. Uh, and or update. If it's something you need and it's a product we don't know that someone would actually need in production, click that update button. Talk yeah. to your IT personnel. Say, hey guys, we listened to two idiots on a podcast and they told us this is a vector or tool being used can you help us here mm -hmm. and you know our contact info is here if they need let them reach out to us it doesn't take anything for us to say hey this is what we found or and by we i mean eric <laughs> and just update or uninstall it you know those five minutes could save you from an incident thousands and thousands of dollars i i think what we need to really stress if nothing else right now 
the first thing people need to be doing, whether you have internal, external, you're a technologist, whatever, folks really need to be going through and doing a software audit. Now, what is installed? Does it need to be installed? And is it, if it needs to be installed, is it updated? Now, Go would, you that say, would you say this is really one of those core tenets of people actually understanding asset management in terms of their IT systems, software and hardware? A lot of times we see new IT folks coming in, MSPs coming in and not fully removing the previous, uh, the previous companies, all their tools and suite of applications. Uh, it, it's one of those things that I think most MSPs may have the best of intentions to get those things removed, but life gets busy and they forget. So, yeah. And some of these installers just don't work. Yeah. They don't get that agent or that RMM slash command and control product off of your system as well as it's supposed to. Yeah, so, remember there's still speculation around some of the older Kaseya agents becoming back to life. I've heard a couple of rumors. I haven't seen anything that came as a full solidification of that claim, but that thing was going around for a little bit too. And that can be any piece of software out there. So I think yep. this is a lesson in understanding and indexing what systems you have in your company. And if you don't use it anymore or you're not sure, Speak to your IT people. Let them take care of it. That's what they are there for. If you don't have IT people, not telling you to do this, but some people go onto Google and they find IT people. Mm-hmm. Got to find somebody. If you can't find anybody that you feel comfortable with, reach out to us, barricadecyber.com, continuum.com, you know, continue with a K, and we'll sit down you know, on a Zoom call, Teams call, whatever, and talk to you folks. I mean, there's no reason for this to be an issue in your environment, plain and simple. Eric, as a pen tester, what do you think would be the first things any company should do to secure against an insider threat? Least privilege, quite and honestly. If you don't need, so yeah, to expand on that a little bit, making sure users only have the permissions needed to do their job. There's no reason for, if you're in a warehouse or manufacturing plant or something like that, there's no reason for your shipping department to be having you know, full admin rights. Oh, here's another tidbit, especially for those manufacturing companies or anybody doing any shipping. I can't tell you how many times I have walked in doing a physical penetration or a remote and I get into a shipping computer that has UPS World Ship or FedEx Ship, and I'm not slamming these guys, but most of these applications will have an SQL, uh, OD, uh, OD, ODBC SQL query that is for SA of the Microsoft SQL. So when they scan a barcode, it populates all the uh, recipient's information so that way they slap a label on and be good to go. But SA for an SA account, for those who don't know, is like having root access to a database. And most of the time, that stuff is stored in plain text. So even though I get to maybe a 
unprivileged workstation, if I can open up a PowerShell and broker that ODBC, what's called an ODBC connection, back to your SQL database, I own all your data that's unencrypted. And let's not forget that print nightmare is still a thing. And unless I'm mistaken, by the time we publish this, Zebra printers are still vulnerable. Yes. And those are typically what major manufacturing or major shippers are using with UPS or FedEx. And my point there is there's just not one place for these guys to get into. What they're doing is monetizing their best bet to getting unfettered access to your systems. Yeah, if you don't think that a hacker or a hacking group literally does not have a notepad or OneNote or whatever their flavor of choice is with all the known exploits and how to exploit them within the last 12, 16 months, you're sadly mistaken. Because I guarantee you, as soon as they start seeing some goofy indicators, they're going to go right and search for that and they're going to go to town. That's all there is to it. So other than least access, what else should people be doing? Least access, making sure the you software... Know, let, let, me, let me quantify this for people so they can move quickly. Top three things people should do to mitigate against insider threat. Least access, MFA, not 2FA. I don't care about 2FA anymore. I want MFA, multi-factor authentication and a really damn good EDR. Now, is MFA as important for the top three things against an insider threat? Because if they're inside, you have their MFA. Maybe. I mean, I guess it really depends on the exact scenario. You know, if... Joe Schmo, you know, sysadmin, pissed off with the company, goes on the dark web, sees this post from Lockbit, his company could probably pay a $10, $20 million ransom and he can get 70 to 80% of that. Yeah. It's not a good day by any means. I mean, just look at the current world today. Somebody getting a potentially 70 to 80% of a million dollars can retire pretty, pretty nice in Boca Raton or Belize. In a third world country with no extradition. Uh, Belize it is. <laughs> I've heard Belize is very nice this time of year. And again, this is not to scare people. You know, this episode is specifically about letting you know what is out there. And exactly. as much as we can warn you about what's out there, I'd venture a guess that it's probably a thousand times worse. Yeah, that's why I can think of. And that's why I'm not really posting, you know, this Word document out, right? I don't know how long it's going to be there. I don't want to be a facilitator by accident. Well, we don't also we also don't want to educate anyone who can become a bad actor, right? This is true. So, I think this is something that FBI managed security services should really pick up on and do what they can to have that file taken down and not to hide it, but you don't want this ease of access for someone to become a bad actor. Whether yeah. it's for Conti, whether it's for uh Dark Matter, or whomever's out there. And if you have a managed SOC, if you have any, let's put it this way, no matter who's managing your IT, you need to ask them flat out, are you monitoring for these threats? Can you prove it? You know, we... How do they prove it? 
the that's a really I, mean, good I know, but to be honest with you, them oh, here's here's where we start getting dangerous. So engaging with a company like ours or yours that know these specific commands. Whoa, 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 whoa. If we're talking about engaging with me for incident response, I've said it no. before. I'm going to Eric, I'm tacking on 30%, <laughs> and you're getting Eric at the end of the day. So just go to him directly. <laughs> just tell him I sent you and let him buy me some Chick-fil-A. We'll call it square. This is true. We know plenty of people who owe you some Chick-fil-A and two towns over and can't even get them to do that. I'm about to drive some South Carolina up there. <laughs> but back to the question. How do people test their IT? How do people test their managed security offering? And managed security could be anything from a company providing you an antivirus solution with all the bells and whistles to a SOC or a room of people sifting through your logs in some way, shape, or form to help protect you. Yeah. This would be a good test. So from a basic standpoint of seeing how good your management sock is or your managed sock or whatever the platform is really start creating users in your active directory and see if you know start giving them permissions domain admin just create a test you know joe test well let's and, not make it easy and call him joe test let's call it no. uh admin user I mean, whatever you want to do. I, I literally had one come over for, it said MIS test on there. And I started literally right before we got on here, they're adding them to payroll. They added them to domain admins, local admins. I'm calling them, hey, what are you doing over there? Oh, yeah, we got this new test user we're trying out for a new line of business app. Okay. Things like that. Things like let's log, let's fail to log in a user three or five times. You know, real quick, how long does it take them to respond? If they're not responding on weird applications like TeamViewer, if you're not using that, um, Splashtop, any desk, if you're not using those softwares and you're starting to randomly install software, you're starting to add users, you're failing logins, and they're not detecting and alerting you on these matters, you've got a problem. But, you know, this goes back to whose job is it to test these things? Because companies, whether they have, if they don't have internal IT, they are paying a third-party company to provide these services for them. They're not going to test themselves. They should. The, the typical provider is not going to test themselves to the degree to put egg on their face. If you have internal IT, there's always a measuring contest of who's better. You can point them towards the managed security offering and say, hey, guys, figure out a way to prove they don't work and we'll increase your budget to do it in-house or some version of that, right? But, but see, I push back on that because I tell my clients to test me all the time. I really do. It's like, you want to find out how fast your response, our response time is? Log in four times incorrectly. Or no, three times incorrectly. See how fast me or one of my team members calls you. But how many people have the bandwidth to do something like that? Not even the know-how, just the time and the ability to do that. I know how important it is. You know how important it is. What's the easiest way for a company of 10, 20, 30 people with no internal IT to test whether or not their systems work? That's just a failed login. That's literally, you could get to work 10 minutes early, five minutes early, 
and literally blame it. Oh, I haven't had enough coffee this morning and I forgot my path. I, I got it now, but that's some of the easiest things to do. Okay. I like that. What is, how many times should they fail at our login? Cause I want to make this as simple and clear as possible to try to help people. And yes, I said the help word. Yes. I'm sorry. Honestly, I would, I would say five. I personally like three, but that's just me. But yeah, but you are anal about that stuff. I am. I know how your monitoring works to a degree, and you'd probably get pinged after two. I do. And third is the oh shit. Mm -hmm. You know, if we don't get in touch with a user, we isolate the workstation. So that's kind of the stuff that we do until we can get in touch with them. Right. So didn't we come across something recently where a security product said they isolated a workstation, but they didn't? And I'm not naming and shaming, but I'm just, I seem to recall in our personal Zoom room this morning that was mentioned. Mm. They act, So we were going through a test with um, uh, yeah, a vendor, we'll say that. So I was going through a test last, or I was going through a test last night with them um, dropping payloads and payloads and payloads. Uh, and their report was in UTC, which said 357 or 353, whatever. UTC time. So I started, okay, we're East Coast, so that's negative five, which would have been 1050 something, 1030 something, whatever it was. And I was like, they didn't isolate at that time. That's why I'm still dropping payloads to test this thing. It wasn't at least until about another hour or so before they actually isolated it. And those who don't know, you know, we are trying to educate the masses for the most part, but if when a workstation gets isolated, it is no longer able to communicate on the network except for pre-approved servers. Like if you have a Sophos or a CrowdStrike or whatever your software vendor is, your AV vendor is typically is who's going to do the isolation. It's only going to talk to those servers. So it's not going to talk to anything else. So that's cool. We're trying to contain that access to that workstation or server. And while still being able to have some remote access to do further analysis and diagnosis. So that's really when we talk about isolating that type of thing um, versus pulling it away from the wall and putting it in the corner until somebody could show up and physically handle it. Hey man, no one puts baby in the corner. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we just dated ourselves. We are old yeah, we are. ish. Just learn just a side comment. I'm older than you. I didn't even know it. <laughs> Yes, you are. That's crazy. Yes, you are. Sometimes I feel like Yoda. I'm getting old and wrinkly, but, but oh, yeah. The, the moral of the story, folks, really, I mean, this is going to be actually probably one of the quickest one episodes that we do, but if you've got to start looking at your security, you really got to start looking at your network and your people. Yeah. I know we have a whole problem with workforce shortages across the country and all that. But if you think somebody may be a potential risk to your organization and costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars, you better get ransomware because now they can actually go and literally get a new employer to pay them 70 to 80% of a ransomware note. Hey, Eric, one thing I'm thinking about as you're saying this, do you want to explain to the audience listeners what ransomware as a service is? I think I touched on it a little bit before, but we're happy to do it again. So ransomware as a service really is, 
it is a brokerage account. So, you know, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, you have an IT vendor, you have a sales agent that will resell you internet services, sometimes cell phone services, you know, different type of carriers, things of that nature. They will broker, you have the corporate IT or the corporate headquarters, and they have a bunch of minions that go out and take care of that. And the ransomware as a service, you have the head programmers that build out their entire employment to package, come up with all their how-tos, things of that nature to educate the actual hackers, penetration testers, or the penetration experts, I guess I shouldn't call them testers, but how to do the job that they're getting ready to do. And for that, they actually go out and do it. So you have that level of separation. It's almost like you're funneling money through a third party to a degree. But in you know, that way you have that level of separation to some degree as well. But you're really trusting, I guess trusting is a bad word, but you're leveraging the third party to actually perform the hack on your network and then data exfiltrate and get all of your stuff and then encrypt your network. And the head office, quote unquote, is just collecting their 20% as a finder's fee, if you will. And I guess what that means is these people are highly motivated for to gain persistence and trigger an incident. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, most of most of these countries do not have the income like we do here in the states. You know, say what you will about you know minimum wage or whatever. We're not going to have that kind of discussion. But dollars to donuts, most of the time, our dollar is a lot higher than most of these other countries are. So, you know, if they can go and make, let's just say, fifty thousand U.S. dollars. That's a freaking metric F ton probably in their country where I know for a fact for bug bounty work that we do a little bit work on for like hacker one and some of those other platforms, you know, some of these third world countries, you know, you can get 10, $15,000 paid to them in us and they are set for the entire year. So they they work all year long and find that one exploit for that one product, web app, whatever it is, and it pays off for the entire year. That's that's kind of just show you like how much would fifteen thousand dollars last for one of us in the states? Just kind of compare it. I mean, these guys are ruthless. They're they don't make much money in their country. It doesn't cost a whole lot of money, and when they get paid, they get paid well because of the uh, exchange rate. It's a life-changing experience for them and for you. Yeah, exactly. All righty. I think that's it from my end. Anything you wanted to add before we close out here, Eric? Nope. Next time you see me, I might be all droopy-faced and like, drool coming out of my mouth after looking through all these documents. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> well, you know, maybe we need to call Black Rifle Coffee Ooh. and have them on as a sponsor. Dude, I would love some Black Rifle Coffee. I've heard it's so darn good. I will get you some. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for again, tuning in and putting up with us and listening to yet another episode. 
please, please, please check us out on AmplifiedAndIntensified.com. If you're listening to this on a podcast, please let somebody know about us. Give us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. If you're looking to us on social media, do the same. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Let us know how much we're you know, sucking at this or if we're doing a good job. What would you like to hear? What would you like to hear us talk about? We'll consider it. May not do it, but we'll consider it. But until next time, I'm Eric with Barricade. I'm Shiva with Continuum. And Eric, do we have an address for YouTube now? We do. It is youtube.barricadecyber.com. Perfect. Thank you. Take care, care, everybody.